0: To American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Lots to get to in this episode, so I'm just going to jump right in here. Of course, one of the stories that was bouncing around just the other day had to do with a high school student who had six feet, approximately, of quote-unquote blood clots taken out of his legs, um, or at least one leg. And as we know, that's not possible unless a person has taken these shots. And this is ramping up, and the enemy's message about these shots, including flu shots, is ramping up. Again, people still don't understand that it's the shots that are responsible for this, that teenagers don't get blood clots. And of course, it's a different dimension deeper than that, that these are not blood clots. These are self-assembling nanoparticles made up of metal that are creating something within the bodies of the people who took these jabs that replicate blood clots, but they are not blood clots. So I wanted to mention that one right off the top here, and again, without reading through it, because it doesn't really require reading into it much deeper than what I just said, but... There are a variety of firsthand accounts here of what's going on and how sick a number of people are getting. This first post I want to read here, and this again comes from our Louisiana educator who has been a guest on this show, anonymously, of course. And they shot me a text message the other day, and I asked them if I could read it on the show, and they said, absolutely, go for it. Because again, this is the kind of on-the-ground information that uh, is remarkably valuable. And we need to share this kind of information. Again, you've heard me say this, but we have to really get in tune with our observational skills and we need to sharpen our observational skills without a doubt. I think, of course, one of the ways to do that is to turn off the television, turn off the radio. But if you're leaving those on for some reason, again, listen to the commercials, pay attention to what they're pushing and the kinds of messages that they're trying to get out to people. Because again, the, The enemy isn't quitting, and this is having a direct impact on the individuals that people work with and within the actual work environment themselves. And it's those kinds of firsthand accounts that I find fascinating because that's where the proof is. So they said the following: They said, "Quote a bit of an update for you: Our pupil appraisal evaluation team is currently down six members." Just real quick, just to interject here before i keep going with this they work inside of an office where they again evaluate student needs and and things of that nature within one school district in louisiana so again we're talking about a district o- an office within a district office so i'll start that over it says a bit of an update for you our pupil appraisal evaluation team is currently down 6 members three have retired and three have just resigned to do other things so we are extremely shorthanded. There's an overload of regular education students needing evaluations due to a host of new academic needs. And that's not counting all of the three to five year old children who are coming for evaluations because of speech language delays and sensory issues. Since lockdowns and masking, our numbers for this age group with these needs have doubled. In addition to all of that, we have another team member, coworker who is out on extended sick leave. Now this is really sad and scary. About three weeks ago, she went in for a routine gallbladder surgery, which initially went well. She wasn't home for 24 hours when suddenly she was back in the hospital with stomach issues and some type of infection sending her back into surgery. Today I've learned that she now has shingles and that it's really bad around her eye and face. I know for a fact that she was jabbed, and I would bet she was more than likely boosted, quote unquote. They said, this breaks my heart. I went to college with this woman. She's so smart and brilliant with what she's done. Her husband had a heart attack prior to COVID. Her son has some form of neuromuscular disability. I know she took those shots out of fear and belief she was doing the right thing for her family. We are praying for her healing. And yes, I did indeed point this fact out to the group that I was working with this morning. Maybe that was callous and inconsiderate for me to say, but if it keeps one person from making another bad decision, I'll carry that burden, unquote. I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to make the connections and then sharing those connection makings, so to speak, with the people around you. That has to happen. Because it's the lack of making these connections that's the problem. That's why people continuously are lining up for one shot after another, lining their children up for all of these shots that American K-12 schools continue to force on them. Unless, of course, you fill out an exemption, which anybody can fill those out for your children if you're still sending them to American K-12 schools or universities, and I recommend you do that. Or, on top of that, the flu shots. Which frankly leads me to this. This was something, actually, before I mentioned the flu shot thing, which shouldn't surprise you because I've brought that up on numerous occasions. And as you know, I publicly spoke about that in a school board meeting over a year ago. I said, You take one of these flu shots, you're finished. But someone on Gab hit me up with this and they said, "Uh, Teacher here in New Zealand, I can tell you that all of my students and their families' immune systems have disappeared. Five to ten students away sick every single day out of a class of 38-ish. People just keep getting sick, unquote. Again, this isn't surprising to us. We we know what's going on. Here's another post again from just the other day on uh, one of the Chan boards. It says, not sure anyone here needs to hear about it, but don't take any vaccine or flu for any other reason ever. It says the COVID jabs and boosters destroy the immune system, so when they take the flu jab, which contains actual influenza virus, not entirely true, it's just poison, uh, it says their boi- their bodies rather won't be able to fight off the infection, and it'll be lights out. Yes, it, it certainly will be again, they've convinced people that cramming needles into your body is the only way that you can maintain some level of health, because strangers on television tell you so. It blows me away that people are continuously believing this. And I want to play Rochelle Walensky here from the CDC. She's clearly been spending some time in the sun this summer. She's darker than usual. And uh, you need to hear the hypocrisy in this statement that she makes. She says quite literally, and I'm quoting her, There's no way to know how bad a flu season is going to be, but we're hearing potential for it to be a severe season. These people are so insane, and they have the enemy's gun to the back of their head that if they don't flat out state these messages, regardless of how stupid they sound, then they're going to be plucked and removed. I mean, Anthony Fauci's usefulness is now gone which in my estimation is why he's decided to retire and leave in December. December is going to be the height of individuals getting sick without a doubt. Yes, it will continue month after month after month, but he's out he's outlasted his usefulness. His handlers and the enemy and the people who pull the strings and fund these organizations know that that's the case with Anthony Fauci, which is why he's gone. He's not serving any any public purpose anymore. And I'll play his audio in a minute too. But first, here's Rochelle Walensky and her infinite wisdom on jabbing people as much as humanly possible, including with flu shots. In addition to COVID, I want to ask you about the flu, because the flu season this year is projected to be brutal. And the American Academy of Pediatrics urged parents just yesterday that kids may need more than one flu shot. I wonder if you agree with that assessment. What is your advice to parents of kids who are nine and younger? Um, so certainly, there's no way to know how bad a flu season is going to be, um, but we are um, hearing potential for it to be a severe season, and we would encourage vaccines. So, if you're over the age of 65, you want to go ahead and get your high dose vaccine. We have flu vaccines for those over the age of six months old. We are encouraging people to go ahead and get their flu vaccine. And importantly, what I will say is that you can get your flu vaccine and your COVID uh, vaccine at the same time. We have nearly half A million people from studies last year that have demonstrated that if you get them at the same time, you sacrifice nothing in terms of either safety or effectiveness. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, thank you so much. Appreciate your time today. Every word she said is a lie. Every single word she said is a lie. More than one flu shot in a year? You shouldn't take any of them ever, let alone two in a year. And then, of course, this. Magical age restriction for only nine and under? What's that about? What does that have anything to do with anything? And then you can take the flu shot with your COVID shot. And we have over 500,000 people that did that last year without a single problem, a single adverse reaction, or whatever. That's a lie. People are dead. They're dead. That's the adverse reaction these ladies and gentlemen, they're not quitting. They're just not going to quit. The closer we get to November with the election, December, and the months ahead, they're going to keep blaming this on variants. They're going to blame it now on the flu. You just heard it right there. Even when she was contradicting herself, it doesn't matter. They're going to blame this on one invisible thing after the other. They're not going to take any blame because they're psychopaths, and that's just the way that it is. With every passing month, this is going to get worse. So my recommendation is this. I can't think of a better time as as perhaps juvenile as this may sound to some. I don't view it that way. This is an archiving of, of history that needs to be done here. I would recommend that people keep some kind of a journal as to what they're witnessing and what's going on. Again, the people around you, the workplaces where, where you are, whatever it may be, it could be something as small as, today I heard this conversation between these two people and they were casually talking about how they're going to get a flu shot and they can't wait to get their flu shot because they don't want to get sick again. I mean, yes, you can intervene with these people and say, you don't need to do that. There is no flu. Can you, and then of course question them and that'll throw them into a tailspin. Can you tell me any ingredient inside of a flu shot? And of course they can't because the moment that you learn about what's in those is the moment you stop taking them. Loaded with carcinogens, endless metals, and they don't belong in your body. And it doesn't prevent anything. But people need to start, again, keeping journals and, and recording this information. This is not going to improve with time. This will get worse. It will become more blatant. It will become way more obvious. And in a tight quarter, like a workplace environment of some kind, again, cubicles or a, a, you know a department building inside of a K-12 school district, wh- whatever it may be, you're going to start seeing and hearing the ill effects associated with everything that's going on. So, I would encourage again people to just write this down. Doesn't matter how small it is, doesn't matter how brief the comment or the observation. Retrain the mind into recognizing these patterns and retrain the mind into exercising your powers, your innate ability to observe and listen and watch and then connect the dots because so many people are not doing this. It's just going to uh it's just going to become more obvious is the whole point. So I put this video on my war video the other day and again here's Anthony Fauci in his infinite wisdom basically saying the exact same insane things that Rochelle Walensky was saying. It is becoming increasingly clear that looking forward With the COVID-19 pandemic, in the absence of a dramatically different variant, we likely are moving towards a path with a vaccination cadence similar to that of the annual influenza vaccine, with annual updated COVID-19 shots matched to the currently circulating strains for most of the population. What's painfully obvious is that Anthony Fauci is reading something. He's been given something to read. No way he wrote this. Someone handed this to him, emailed this to him, something. And they said, you're going to read this. Because again, that's insane. Now, were they black hats that wrote this? Was it white hats who wrote, it, you know, who wrote this? I have no idea. I really have no idea. But he's suggesting a COVID shot every year. People will do this. They won't be alive long enough to do it, but they will do it. Because now they're trying to again normalize this and this mRNA, DNA snapping poison into the exact same thing that the flu shot is, which is its own poison by itself. You know, you've heard me comment in the past about how unprecedented not only all of this is, which goes without saying, because it's a kill program, but. How back in the beginning of 2021, they were saying, well, you need to wait at least six plus weeks or even months before you receive your second shot from your first shot, that there needs to be a length of time in between those two. That was done to basically see if you would die or not between the first shot and the second shot, which we know many people did and continue. And that continues to be the case. But for the first time ever then, they scrapped all of that without saying why. And in the beginning of the school year of 2021, the colleges and universities all over the United States said, you need to have at least your first shot by October, and then your second shot by November, less than four weeks later. So again, what was this length of time in between shot business? What was all of that about? As I just said, it was basically designed to see who would live and who would die between that time. And then someone would record it or, you know, whatever. But now, they not only want you to take a COVID shot and a flu shot at the same time, and that's not going to be a bad thing, but they want you to take a COVID shot every single year along with flu shots. How more obvious can this possibly get? I just... Honest, honestly, th- th- this right here again is the collapse of not just again lines of work, but civilization. Period. And I'm again. That's not even a, a, an alarmist take anymore. It's painfully obvious now. It has to be. How on earth? Can you have people do what they're suggesting and telling people to do and expect to survive? How on earth can that happen? It can't. Now, going back to the K 12 education apparatus for a minute, which I'm going to continue to to bring up here, of course, and discuss, but this particular element with these shots associated with it is going to show a decline in. Teacher attendance, student attendance, administrative attendance, employee attendance. These people will not be able to show up to work. They just won't. Which then begs the question, what are the excuses that they're going to use in order to close their schools because they don't have enough teachers? And as you've heard me saying, we've been over this numerous occasions. They don't have the substitutes to replace these people. So when you take all of that, there's an element here that actually recently got brought up again, which you've heard me say on this show before. And I want to say I brought this up at least eight months ago, if not longer than that. I mean, all of this is starting to meld together and become so fluid that I'm I'm losing track of time as to when I brought up particular things in the past and, and when I haven't. But you may recall that I brought up the business of computer hacking and ransomware attacks as being an excuse as to why K-12 schools would close their doors either temporarily or for a length of time. They would say, well, we don't have any internet and we have, you know, Our internet system has come under attack and there's no way for us to uh, implement grades and take attendance online because, again, they do everything online and believe they have to do everything online. That, too, is part of the hive mind mentality that has gotten teachers away from actually writing something down on a piece of paper with a pencil. Heaven forbid they actually go out and buy a grade book online and write something down in pencil or pen. Same thing is true with any kind of a lesson that they you know, deliver in, in a classroom, that if we don't have a computer hooked up to a projector, we can't possibly teach anybody anything. This is nuts, but this is what they've gotten people to actually believe. The problem is, is that a lot of people cannot wrap their heads around the simple fact that a school district would lie about a computer ransomware attack. Or our servers are down and, and we're in the process of fixing it. I mean, they would actually lie about this because they've done it before to cover for the fact that their employees are sick, dying, and dead. This will be an excuse going forward. You will hear of this again, these quote unquote ransomware attacks. I'm not saying that they don't happen, but most ransomware people, or again, blackmailers and the hackers and, and the entire apparatus, most of them aren't concerned with American K-12 schools. They're really not hacking these people and saying, or even threatening to hack, which of course is what ransomware is, we're going to hack you unless you pay us X amount of money. This doesn't, this doesn't typically happen in, in American K-12 school districts. Ransomware attackers know that they're not equipped, school districts aren't equipped to pay, let alone fix the problem, if they were really to drop some massive virus on an entire system. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, I'm just saying that the likelihood of it happening is slim. But you heard me bring up on the show, again, last school year, that colleges and universities were experiencing both avenues of this particular subject they were really experiencing it and then it was clearly being faked by many you know the smallest colleges um gosh darn what was the name of the one school that i brought up well it slipped my mind but it was it was a small college and they said well we have a ransomware attack and this is why we have to close our doors permanently this is why we have to cease to exist permanently no that wasn't it you forced the shots on all of your employees. You forced the shots on all your students, and no one showed up anymore. Well, why didn't they show up? Because they were sick and they were dead. So they used a ransomware attack as their excuse. Well, this invisible force over here threatened us that if we didn't give them X amount of money, then they would hit us with some kind of virus, and that's what happened, and, well, we just can't fix it anymore, so, you know, we have to close our doors forever. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. But this is one of those things, again, that is going to ramp up as being a massive excuse, and that's exactly what it is. It's an excuse. So, again, the reason that I'm bringing up the ransomware attack thing again is because this just hit iHeartRadio's news feed, apparently, just the other day. And it's titled, FBI DHS Warns That Ransomware Attacks Against Schools Are Rising. Are they? Do we trust the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security now? Are these the people we trust again? They're saying this is happening, so well, it must be happening. They're government agencies, and why would these government agencies ever lie to us. Who actually believes this nonsense? K-12 institutions may seem as uh, particularly lucrative targets due to the amount of sensitive data and student data accessible through school systems of their managed service providers. The agencies said that Vice Society, a new ransomware group, is disproportionately targeting the education sector. If you know who it is, then why don't you just go get them? They're not exactly good at their jobs, these three-letter agencies, but I don't buy it. The FBI and, the D- and DHS, Department of Homeland Security, know exactly what's going on here, and they know what's coming, and they're just trying to get in front of it. They're just trying to put this story out there to give school districts the excuse to close their doors when the jabs are the ones really causing the doors to close. That's the real problem. There's another story here from iHeartRadio, which again, shouldn't shock anybody. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, it is titled, Satisfaction with K-12 Schools Plummets Among Parents. Again, shocking. And speaking of things that aren't shocking, which I'm going to read this briefly, of course, but the Project Veritas stuff, I'm going to get into that next too. Why these videos are shocking anybody is beyond me. This article, though, regarding student satisfaction, or parental satisfaction, rather, although student satisfaction, I'm sure, is not high, it continues here, and it says a new survey from Gallup shows that American satisfaction with public schools is declining, said Captain Obvious. In 2022, just 42% of parents said that they were satisfied with K-12 schools, down from 51% in 2019. It's the lowest percentage in two decades and the second lowest in the history of the poll. This shows that while about 4 in 10 Americans are broadly satisfied with public education, just 9% are completely satisfied. Meanwhile, 23% are completely dissatisfied and 32% are somewhat dissatisfied. This means that more than twice as many Americans are completely dissatisfied as completely satisfied. (laughs) Confused? They don't like school anymore. They don't like what's going on. And what are they blaming? They should be blaming child abuse. They should be blaming the medical interventions and the totalitarian, draconian uh, medical interventions, along with all of the lying, the deceit, the law-breaking, etc., etc. But for This particular poll, allegedly, it's the old yarn of curriculum, an outdated curriculum. I don't buy that for a minute either. That's not it. Why don't they put the jabs, the mask wearing, and the child abuse as a potential option on that poll? It says, quote, This year, Gallup tried to understand why parents were not satisfied with their children's education and asked them to state their reasons for being dissatisfied. A majority of parents noted that they were concerned with the rigor of the curriculum in schools. Yeah, that's a problem, but is that the biggest one? Having Timmy and Sally wear a mask and then a face shield on top of that mask to only tape the mask underneath the face shield to their actual skin because that mask kept falling off while spraying them with disinfectant in the eyeballs. And then yelling at them and isolating them for not doing the previous things that I just mentioned, that's not the biggest problem. It's an outdated textbook. An outdated textbook is really the biggest problem. It says 15% of parents noted outdated curriculum, while 11% said schools are failing to teach kids basic school skills. rather. Like reading, writing, and arithmetic. No kidding. No kidding. What about the 70% that said child abuse is the biggest problem? It said just over one in five parents cited a lack of resources as a major problem with schools in the United States. The respondents said the schools were being hurt by a lack of funding and the inability to hire quality teachers due to low pay. No. That's not the problem either. Uh, money, money, money. They think money is the issue. It's not. Again, this is this is becoming so repetitive, it's nauseating. And then of course, they're not blaming teacher education programs, and yet over here in other articles, they're including the Department of Education themselves, which I said in the last episode, they themselves are directly blaming teacher education departments and teacher education schools it's a, it's astounding they can't even get their story straight on which excuse to pick it says the poll found that 17% of parents believed that political agendas are being forced on their children with 3% forcing concerns sorry voicing concerns rather about critical race theory being taught in the classroom only 3% Sounds like a bad poll to me. It just sounds like bad questions. In fact, I have the questions here are certainly the categories. Um, the reasons, as it were, for Americans' dissatisfaction with K-12 education in the United States from Gallup themselves. There are different categories here, and it has them listed this way. The first category is curriculum educational approach. The second category is lack of resources. The next category is political concerns, the next one is school climate, and the next one is other, which includes response to COVID situation, homeschooling, lack of teaching, all wrapped into one. Now, those should all be separate. It says need for involvement, input from parents, too much government interference, and other. Don't even know what other means. But that was the largest in the other category, was the the excuse of other. Again, this this seems like a very bad poll. They don't want to get down to the specifics. But here's what curriculum educational approach was listed as, and 15% was at the top. This goes from top to bottom, the most to the least, in descending order here. Poor outdated curriculum was 15%. Quality of education is poor, outranked by other countries, 12%. Lack of teaching basics, reading, writing, arithmetic, 11%. Not learning life skills, 9%. History not being taught, slash, real history, good for them, 4%. Well, that shows you how little they know. Uh, too much emphasis on standardized testing and grades, 3%. Methodology, the way teachers teach on computers, too much, 3%. Lack of preparedness for workforce trade career path, more tech ed, 2%. Students not taught to think critically, 2%. Students not challenged and not pushed to their capabilities, 2%. Not taught basic civics, 1%. Again, <laughs> it is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing because the the percentages and the answers that are being provided by the people taking the poll and being polled is indicative of their own lack of knowledge on things like civics and history and knowing the truth about these things. The next one says, no child left behind agenda, one percent and then need to teach more science. They didn't categorize it. So the net total was curriculum and educational approach was 65% of the the concern, so to speak. And then lack of resources, unequal access opportunities for low-income students slash racism, 8%. Lack of funding resources, 6%. Teacher pay salaries, low underpaid, 4%. Not enough quality teachers, undereducated, 4%. Lack of teachers, unsatisfied, too much turnover, 4%. Schools are overcrowded, teachers overworked, large, la- large class sizes, rather, 2%. That made up 28% of the respondents. And then political concerns, political agendas being taught, 10%. Too much transgender, gender issues. Sex Education Agenda, 4%. Critical Race Theory Agenda, 3%. That made up a total of 17%. School Climate. Lack of care, empathy for students, proper attention, support, one-on-one education, 6%. I think School Climate should almost be at the very top. Little Discipline with Students, low accountability by teachers and students, 3%. Schools are not safe, fighting violence, bullying, 2%. Seems rather low, doesn't it? Given the Uvalde hoax and all these other hoaxes, weird. Why is that only 2%? It's almost like people know it's not real. Uh, Teachers not allowed to teach, not supported enough, 1% for a net total of 12%. And then I went through the other category already. It's just a weak survey. Because it's not getting to the crux of the issue. I, of course, have brought up the real reasons why people are dissatisfied and why these institutions are crumbling, but Gallup can't seem to figure it out yet. And this brings me really to the next thing, which has to do with the Project Veritas stuff. I put a post on Gab the other day on my Gab page, and I said something to the tune of, uh, of course, being sarcastic and trying to joke around with it, but I said, breaking news. Uh, A gay New York K-12 assistant principal doesn't want to hire conservatives. In other news, water is wet. And then I suggested something to Project Veritas. I basically said, look, why don't you start talking with, go back to, I mean, go back to finding whistleblowers. You know, they, they do that very well. This undercover video stuff, yeah, you know, it can work sometimes, and I'm sure it wakes up someone. It doesn't wake us up, because those of you who listen to this show know that that's not new. But I simply suggested that they go back to the whistleblower stuff, go back to finding K-12 school administrators and K-12 school teachers who were coerced to wear masks, bullied in the workplace, coerced to take jabs, bullied in the workplace for not doing so and then lost their jobs as a result. These people are everywhere. Cicely from New Mexico is one example. She's been on the show. She specifically brought that up, walked away from the business. She was cut loose by the school district to only have the school district come back and beg her to return. Think about that. That's jacked up. Why doesn't Project Veritas cover that? That seems more relevant. With what's going on today, rather than the low-hanging fruit, of a hard left-wing K-12 administrator, basically admitting that uh, they don't like conservatives. Again, this is this is not new. Water is wet. The sun is hot. That's it. Congratulations, Project Veritas. More, more you know, more low-hanging fruit. So I made that comment on Gab. And again, I I would only bring this up because it highlights what people know and what they don't know. And it highlights how far they're willing to take something and see the larger picture at, at play here. And you've heard me mention this before, but again, this comment that the person made was indicative of that. They responded to it and they said, hey, take it easy. And I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but the, their response to my post there, where I even posted the video of the most recent assistant administrator in in New York, which again shouldn't surprise anybody that they would behave that way, but they replied and they said, "Parents and and local community members need to take back their school boards," you know that old yarn, sort of that old stereotypical saying. I mean, it's it's a billboard phrase: "Take back your school boards." You've heard me mention it doesn't matter the political persuasion of the individuals that take back school boards, so to speak, take back in finger quotes, because you still have to follow state law. So you could pack it with all conservatives. Won't matter. It won't matter. You still have to follow state law. There's very small things that can be done. Like I've said, removing the rainbow flags and the rainbow stickers and Uh, changing the dress code and, you know, a a bunch of other things so that people aren't wearing cattails and pissing in litter boxes because they identify as cats. I mean, you can get rid of that, which you should, which is fine. Or, the other option, which is impossible, is you have to infiltrate state government. You see... The superintendents for State Departments of Education are not elected. These people are chosen. They're chosen to push forth a degenerate, complicated policy that should be the exact opposite of both of those things. So infiltrating state government is impossible. I reminded this person of that. And they said, well then, you know, whatever. Well, homeschooling's too expensive. And I said, No, it isn't. It's not. The entire K 12 apparatus was designed to eliminate homeschooling, to get people into the government machine, and then trick the families and the parents and the individuals into believing that they need the machine and that there's no way that they could possibly raise a child to be literate on their own without government intervention, and then have that child teach themselves. Again, you've heard me mention Abeka.com constantly. Abeka.com is in the $900 range to $1,000 range for even online video instruction from from teachers. That's it. $900 to $1,000 a year. People can afford that if they change what they're currently buying and the money that they're maybe wasting on this, that, or the other, and they simply redirect it toward their child and the safety and health and well-being and education of their child. So it's too expensive. That's an excuse. That's just a low-ball uh lack of intellect excuse that a person, you know, that a person would use. That's not true. That's just not true. And then of course you reuse that curriculum. You re-enroll your child and you can reuse that curriculum for your younger children. So, great. I mean, theoretically, you're talking about less than, well, approximately $12,000 total worth of instruction that just gets reused over and over again for all of your children. In the grand scheme of things, that's that's not expensive. So that's my point. My point is, is that people can't see that the bigger picture is state intervention. You have to infiltrate state government as an elected official, and then everybody with the exact same mind frame of completely destroying the education apparatus and redoing it, not based on the old model, but based really on a homeschooling model, that requires changing state law. That also requires, of course, having a governor in place to sign off on the elimination of laws and the rebuilding of very simple laws that uncomplicate the entire issue. Does anybody think that's really going to happen? It's laughable. It's laughable. That isn't going to happen. If everybody's on the ladder of government, Climbing up the side of the wall of education, the only way that you save yourself and your family and future generations, i.e. your children, is to step off of the ladder, kick the ladder over, and walk away. You don't even have to kick the ladder over. Let the other goons just cons- you know consistently walk up and down at all they want. And I'm not saying that there aren't good private schools out there. I know that there are. But the public apparatus is shot. It's completely shot. So. You have to step away from that and then just walk away in the other direction. That's it. Because no one listening to this show is going to be a governor of their state. We are not going to be elected officials at the state level and rewrite these laws and eliminate these laws in some state-level legislature where everybody's going to know exactly what we know. That's impossible. And you can't fix that as a school board member. It's impossible, too. So that's the point. But unfortunately, people are still of that wavelength where where they just believe that that uh, that's the way to fix all of these issues that that plague American K-12 education. It is not. It just isn't. And that's not a defeatist approach. That needs to be mentioned. You know, maybe the tone of my voice sounds like it's defeatist. It isn't. It's a good thing. We, you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but me personally, I don't like elected officials. I don't like any politician. I don't care who they are. It takes a, a very specific mind frame and wavelength. I'd even go so far as to say a lack of education about government itself to even want to run for office that's why we see individuals who are either parents or not parents running for school board who have never been in the education business at all on one end and then on the other you have individuals that have been in the business but they tend to be hard hard left so you have individuals again on one end that are driving the degenerate programs within these school districts and on the other they believe that because they're a parent of a child within the system that they're going to fix the system because they're a caring parent that's not the way that it works again it sounds nice it's a nice motive but it's not realistic that's that's just not going to fix the issue and like i said no but nobody here is going to be a governor of a state so so the point is is that it isn't defeatist to bring up what's real because what's real is leaving the government apparatus that is K twelve education. That's the solution. That's the only solution going forward here. As I said on Jesse James's podcast when he had me on, it's not it's not this repetitive line of government saying that education is too big to fail. That just means they're going to keep throwing money at it because they don't want it to fail. But the fact is is that education is too big and it is failing. And it's so big that it has to fail. And we have to let it fail. And the best way to do that is a lack of participation. Stand up, let the, you know, let, let the game board fly off of your back, and the game ends. That's the way that it has to go. But running for school board isn't going to fix it. And again, I don't know of a single conservative student or family that would be sending their children to a New York City school with a gay administrator who openly admits that um that they don't hire conservatives. I mean, what conservative would attend such a school district? I I don't I don't know. But it's becoming harder and harder to find school districts that aren't perverse in some way. Again, whether that be an ideological standpoint, a curriculum standpoint, whatever it may be. It's next to impossible. This leads me, however, to this particular story, which, again, Jesse James tossed this my way, and I I think this is interesting because, again, it is certainly an individual who lies on the spectrum of awakening, but this person is dead asleep. And this is a former, this comes from the Huffington Post, which should tell you about all you need to know as to the political persuasion of this particular teacher, but they've decided to leave the business after 11 years, and then they write one of these long letters, allegedly, talking about why they're leaving. It's titled the following. It says, After teaching for 11 years, I quit my job. Here's why your child's teacher might be next. Quote, The broken system is breaking teachers faster than they can be replaced this world has eroded my love of teaching beyond repair. Here's this particular teacher's uh, solution to fixing this problem that is American K-12 education. And this is by Katie Nemchik, if I'm saying that right. Probably not. But that's the name of the, of the school teacher. Apparently, they have two young children. They've included a picture of them. In this article, Uh, and one of them is wearing a mask, an N95 mask. And when I say children, I'm talking about toddlers. These are these are kids that are two and a half and younger. And the caption under the picture says, again, this should tell you all you need to know about this person, but it says the author's kids during the 2021-2022 school year before they were eligible to get vaccinated. So this outgoing teacher slash mom slash parent has probably jabbed both of her kids. It's a long letter. It's a long article. I'm not going to read it, but one of their solutions is this. They actually say this toward the end. They claim that the solution to American K-12 education is more parental involvement and more civilian and town involvement. I'm sorry, I disagree with that. That is not that's not the solution. You can't fix this. You can't fix this problem whatsoever. I'm going to uh, here's their here's their credentials. If you're curious, they say that they are a freelance writer and former teacher who lives in the Twin Cities with her husband and two children. She has a bachelor's in English from Wake Forest University and a Master's of Education from Teachers College, Columbia University. So again, that should tell you all you that you need to know about their political persuasions. But even the left is getting tired with what's going on. Even the left is walking away. And this person is most assuredly a leftist. But even so, you know, it's a lot of the same old stuff. And what it, what what is evident, again, by the picture that they even included, of their own children wearing the masks. And well, they wore masks until we could get them injected and they won't be alive long, but I don't know that. Uh, you know, they, they blame all of, a lot of the superficial stuff. They blame a lack of involvement from parents. They blame professional development, which is all true. I mean, all of this is real, but they're not blaming the child abuse. They're not blaming the government intervention from individuals who know nothing about education because they don't understand the larger scheme. And the larger scheme is, again, to make everybody as radical and perverse as they are. That's the real scheme here. So it's interesting that even leftists are leaving, but they're they're still blaming all of the wrong things, which is still sad. So there's that. Okay. A couple of things here that are jab related. I have two very quick peer reviewed articles because, again, this is fortunately now being studied the autoimmune disease or AIDS, as it were, in relation to those that receive the COVID shots. Uh, Two peer reviewed articles here one from the journal titled Vaccine, and then I have another that is very recent that will be published in October from the Journal of Autoimmunity. Again, you can't make this up. They're openly stating now that these shots wipe out people's immune systems permanently. Uh, With that said, however, before I get into them, given the fact that we're a week into September here, just over a week, keep in mind that at the beginning of every month, the Pfizer documents continue to be released. Here's the problem. And if somebody has a solution to this, please email me because I'd I'd like to be able to read these documents again. They used to release the documents in PDF form. Now they aren't. They're releasing them in some other form that I cannot read on my computer. If there's a particular uh, application that I have to download in order to read it, I'd be willing to do that. But I'm interested in taking a look at these documents. I'm certain that they are thick documents, and there's lots of information in them and multiple pages, if not thousands and thousands of pages long. But I'd still like to read them, and frankly, I haven't been able to because, again, they stopped releasing them in PDF format. Probably not an accident because they don't want us to read them, but they still are being released. So uh, what I'll do is is I'll link that website in the description below of this podcast episode and if anybody wants to get on there and see what I'm talking about, again, these files that are available for download are just not in PDF form. I don't even know what form they're in, but uh, I can't read them. So yeah, until I figure out how to crack crack them open, then uh unfortunately, I can't reference them. But I can reference these. So here's this first one, and this was from last month, again from the Journal of Vaccine," just titled "Vaccine." It's titled Serious Adverse Events of Special Interest Following mRNA COVID 19 Vaccination in Randomized Trials in Adults. Here's the abstract Introduction In 2020, prior to COVID 19 vaccine rollout, the Brighton Collaboration created a priority list endorsed by the World Health Organization of potential adverse events relevant to the COVID 19 vaccines we adopted the Brighton Collaboration List to evaluate serious adverse events of special interest observed in mRNA COVID-19 vaccine trials. It says the following methods. Secondary analysis of serious adverse events reported in the placebo-controlled phase three randomized clinical trials of Pfizer and Moderna mRNA COVID-19 vaccines in adults. Focusing analysis on Brighton Collaboration adverse events of special interest. Uh, Whole lot of numbers, whole lot of percentages here. Let me get down to something else. Okay, discussion. And again, this is where it gets very vague. And uh, I would say nefariously so. It says the excess risk of serious adverse events found in our study point to the need for formal harm benefit analysis particularly those that are stratified according to risk of serious COVID-19 outcomes these analysis will require public release of participant level data sets so again what they're saying is is that They're killing people. We know that this is the case. We know that there are numerous adverse events related to this and that these need to be released in order to be studied more. It's a nice blanket statement of saying it's killing people. Talk about it a little bit more. This next article, however, is a little more direct. And again, this is going to be published in October, this coming October, in the Journal of Autoimmunity. It's titled the following COVID 19 mRNA vaccine BNT162B2 induces autoantibodies against type 1 interferons in a healthy woman. The highlights of this particular study are as follows COVID 19 infection is associated with a wide range of clinical manifestations, including autoimmune features and autoantibody production in a small subset of patients. Well, I'd say it's worse than a small subset. It continues, it says, in the case report, plasma levels of IgG neutralizing autoantibodies against type 1 interferons were increased, specifically among the 103 auto-antibodies tested following the second shot of COVID-19 vaccine, BNT162b2, compared to pre-vaccination and further increased following the third shot of BNT162b2. Translation, the more you take, the less of an immune system you have. The final bullet point says the following. Immune responses to type 1 IFN can be double-edged swords in enhancing vaccine efficacy and immune responses to acute infectious diseases, as well as accelerating chronic disease pathogenesis, example chronic viral infections and autoimmune diseases. This case highlights the BNT162B2-induced neutralizing anti-type 1 interferon autoantibody production, which may affect immune functions in a small subset of general population in patients with some chronic diseases. No. No. Again, these, you know, bl- bless their hearts, these psychos that, that write these stories. They always, as you've heard me say, they always conclude with, well, it's some people that are getting ill, and it's some subsets of individuals that are receiving these ill effects or adverse reactions. And well, some people are having their immune systems decline, if not be completely wiped out. It's some people. No, it's not some. It's everybody who took these shots. That's what's happening. I mean, that's it. That's what's happening. But they can't say that or else it won't get published. They can't reach a hard conclusion that says something like don't do this. Don't take these. If it's wiping out the immune systems of people, we don't recommend taking this. They're not going to say that because, again, it won't be published. And within this study, they do include some gnarly pictures of some serious-looking skin rashes. In fact, I'm going to put a bunch of photos related to that. Of course, no one's really interested in seeing this but because it's, it's disgusting. But I'm going to have those in the, in the most recent war video here. Um, they're not directly from this particular study. They're from other studies, but this is, this is unavoidable. This is unavoidable. In fact, this particular research study had 16 references. 16. Which, again, is about half of what it would typically be, but this is something that's continuing to ramp up. Here's what I want to do just in closing for this episode I want to read the titles of these referenced articles that these researchers used to justify their stance on this. I'm going to read them in descending order. The first, um, the, the, the first article here is t- that that is in the reference section is titled, Autoimmune and Inflammatory Diseases Following COVID-19. And here's the rest. I'm just going to read them just in order. New onset autoimmune pneumonia post-COVID-19 vaccination. That was from 2021. The next one. Autoantibodies Against Type 1 Interferons in Patients with Life-Threatening COVID-19 The next one, Efficacy and Safety of MRNA-1273 SARS-CoV-2 Vaccine Safety and Efficacy of the bnt 162 b 2 MRNA COVID-19 Vaccine The next one, Cutaneous Adverse Events Related to COVID-19 Vaccines, a Cross-Sectional Questionnaire base study of 867 patients. Acute autoimmune-like hepatitis with atypical antimitochondrial antibody after mRNA COVID-19 vaccination, a novel clinical entity. Reactivation of IgA vasculitis after COVID-19 vaccination. Flare of Rheumatoid Arthritis After COVID-19 Vaccination Two-Dose COVID-19 Vaccination and Possible Arthritis Flare Among Patients with Rheumatoid Arthritis in Hong Kong Immunogenicity and Safety of Anti-SARS-CoV-2 mRNA Vaccines with Patients with Chronic Inflammatory Conditions and Immunosuppressive Therapy in a Monocentric Cohort there's just a few more, immune medi- uh, mediated rather, diseases flares or new onset disease in 27 subjects following the mRNA DNA SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations. The next one says liponano nanoparticles enhance the efficacy of mRNA and protein subunit vaccines by inducing robust T follow cellular molecular, there you go, helper cell, and humoral responses. Three more, innate immune control and regulation of influenza virus infections, type 1 FN system in the development of manifestations of SLE, and then type 1 interferon in chronic virus infection and cancer. That was the title of the last reference. These references are going to get bigger. They're going to get worse. And they're going to probably continue to skate around the issue as much as they have to. But this is the problem going forward here. So, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I highly recommend keeping some kind of a journal moving forward. I mean, you can even use this episode to wake someone up and say, look, Sean just went through two peer-reviewed articles that are saying that this causes autoimmune conditions and wipes out your immune system. And oh, by the way, here's the titles of all of these research articles that are showing that that's exactly what it's doing. Because what it's doing is actually contradicting the mainstream narrative. See, once once a person makes their way into these peer-reviewed articles, I mean that's a big step in itself. Then you're going to see that it that it does not match whatsoever the mainstream narrative that you're hearing from the likes of Rochelle Walensky, Anthony Fauci, or anybody in the news or the media. But then there's another step that needs to be made, which is that which leads people even more to the truth, which is that the references sections are very telling, and that it's not an accident that these researchers are glossing over their conclusions by saying, well, more needs to be done. There needs to be more that's studied on these issues. Because again, if they don't say that and they reach a hard conclusion, their studies won't get published. Even they have to play this game a little bit. But that's the most recent peer-reviewed articles right there, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get back to exercising our observational skills the best that we can. Let's keep let's keep some journals. Let's let's write some things down and uh let's document what's what's happening here. We're we we are well into the school year. Um this is going to be something that's going to need to be recorded. And just for future reference, this is something that I'm doing but I'm I'm using my Substack page, The American Classroom as kind of one of those things. And again, I wrote a a most recent Substack article. I highly recommend that you check it out. The Paradigms of Deceit is what it's called. And again, the mixed messages that are being sent and the false historic messages that are being sent when when there's a major news event. And then, of course, who is it that's talking and who is it that's not talking about these shots and and what's really going on? Again, even among these so-called awake conservatives, they're not touching these shots. And this jab genocide with a ten foot pole. Many of them are not. Some of them are like the Steve Kirsches of the world, who I know I've criticized in the past. You know, as being a a former liberal, but now all of a sudden, you know, he he took the shots. He regrets it, and now he's researching this at length and bringing up a lot of valuable information. So, um, I, I'm I'm taking back my criticism of of him. He's doing very valuable work. And I would recommend checking out his Substack page also, because again, he's been censored and was on Fox News once and won't be invited back, I'm, I'm sure. But I'm taking my Substack articles, and ultimately what I'm going to do is just compile a book and just throw them all into some kind of a book, because again, I want people to be able to have something in their hands at next to zero cost uh, for our for archiving purposes, because I can't trust the internet in the long term necessarily, and I can't necessarily trust Substack in the long term either. So that's kind of my plan going forward, but I'm thinking on doing that now and then just continuing to add to the Substack as time goes on, of course. Those articles won't go away, but ultimately having some kind of a book in hand that sort of relives what it is that we were experiencing throughout 2021 and uh, and 2022 and and the years going forward. I want to end with this. A listener of the show tossed me their website, and I told him I'd be happy to mention it at the end of this show here. So it's jamesadawson.com, J-A-M-E-S, the letter A, and then Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N.com. He offers business consulting, health and life coaching, and regenerative gardening. All cool stuff no doubt about it. So if you're interested in checking that out, it's jamesadawson.com. Very cool stuff. People go in their own way, and I like that. Always support that kind of stuff. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up. Have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.